Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. I didn't have a playbook starting out. I had to learn everything the hard way. The good news is you don't have to. Great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Let's get to work. You nervous? I was when I did it with Thomas, not with you. That makes sense. <laughs> test, test. Were you on your source? What's that? Were you on your source? Sure. We like I got that. notes. Do you have notes? No, I don't have notes. None of you guys. How many episodes have you done? Five. Okay. <laughs> want- okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But I'm I'm a planner, dude. Like I have to. Yeah, I used to be, and then I got to like episode fifty. You're like, this shit's gonna happen. And now I'm at, now I'm at episode like three hundred. But I like the way I think about it is I want to get the most out of you as possible. I know you can wing it and we can talk about mindset and fucking the same shit everybody talks about, or I can ask specific questions and, and know that I'm going to bring value to my listeners. Yeah. I'm saying, cause they're listening for this specific thing. I mean, you're a hundred percent overthinking it. (laughs) (laughs) That should be how the episode starts right there. I mean, no, I can't start the episode. Okay. You're like a six, yes, your six listeners. Are you worried about <laughs> what? The- okay. <laughs> I'm at 58 downloads per episode, sir. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Is that a lot? I have no idea. It's a good start. Okay. Yeah. yeah you got a, you have a pretty good brand right now. I think people. Cause it's only because it's specific. I feel like that's my. No, you, you have early adopters from the relationships you've built. Like people who respect you enough to like that. They, they care what you have to say, regardless of what you're saying. Like that's, that's kind of where you're at right now, in my opinion. I like that. And then son of a bitch notes. You have to scroll. There's so many. No, no, it's just right there. Okay. That's just for this one. Um, you, you get your early adopters from people who respect you and appreciate you and like, look up to you. Like they'll people they'll like, like those are those like raving fans, right? The people yeah, like, they listen no to whatever what the do. fuck you do. They love you. That's where you're at right now. Yeah. Um, so you'll, you'll probably see a dip at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll start to, you know, climb back. See, all, all I think in my head when you say that is, okay, now I can't see a dip. That way I can prove my wrong. Oh, you'll dip. Motherfucker. Yeah. Off of 50? You'll, you'll have like, you know, let's say for this month, right? You'll have mm-hmm. like 200 for this month. Then maybe you'll hit 400 and you'll come back down to like 290. You're like, what the fuck happened? I'm okay with that. I, I was that, thinking dip a, from 50. Well, but I'll get it on a monthly basis, not on a per episode. Oh, okay. Um, because gotcha. especially when you get you know as many episodes as I do, like I still get you know like they what do you all. Got? You got fifty uh, something episodes. Yeah, like a hundred ninety. Oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So like, they all get lists. They all get downloads, right? So look at monthly. How is it growing month over month? Mm-hmm. If it grows up month over month, that means then that's how I know I'm increasing my listener base. Do you title them so they can kind of scroll through and yeah. get specific? Yeah. Yeah, because you just did uh, hiring a new sales manager. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, I, you know, I used to do like the episode number and then the title. Now I do the title, then the episode number. Mm-hmm. There's like little tweaks I've made and adjusted. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do the Mike's Monday Motivation. I put the MMM at the front so they know it's a Mike's Monday Motivation episode before they, they click on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to do like micro episodes, but they always turn into like 37 minutes, which is smaller than the normal ones, but still, you know. All right, so I don't know what my you know my Mike's motivation are typically five to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. 
they'll be laying like eight to 12. I, I, I need to put some stuff in there like that. Cause I, I could just do different strategies that I just take rant. five minutes to explain. I just rant. You rant? I just rant. You've never listened to Mike's Money Motivation? I don't think so. You're a piece I of, always you are an absolutely terrible human being. I always go to the bigger ones. But I'm like, dude, bro, I'm <laughs> 53 weeks into Mike's Money Motivation. You've never listened to one of them? Nope. I always, I don't, I don't know why it works out that way. It always like. Yeah, the next the one, full the, the next time you look. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Over a year, I've been doing a episode every Monday morning and you've not listened to one of them. Oh, that's definitely how our podcast is fucking started. <laughs> <laughs> So, you, but you, you should though, you listen to him. I think you, you'll get the gist okay. of like, it's just me, a topic, a thing I'm hot about right now. I think I'm seeing happening, like something mm-hmm. I'm pissed off about. Like I just rant for like five to 10 minutes and I release it. So you're doing two episodes a week. Yeah. Okay. So you got a full one and then mm-hmm. MMM. Mm-hmm. All right. So Bradley Cooper, Tim McGraw, you know, these are my man crushes okay. and my Claudio. Yeah. So that's why I've been called Bradley Cooper, like not like Bradley Cooper from um, like the hangover, like Bradley Cooper, the way he looked in like American Sniper. Oh, that's what people say. Yeah, that's daddy. Yeah, he's. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why you're here. So I can stare into those baby blues for an hour. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm excited about that. But (laughs) all right, guys, I got Mike Claudio, the uh, builder of champions. Walk me through that. Um. It's when I, when I first uh, kind of started figuring out what I want to do with this coaching thing, right? Because I was still an employee of another company. I was vice president of a roofing company at the time okay. when I started WinRate. And, you know, I really was like, what do I want to build a brand around? And I was like, who doesn't like to win? Yeah. Right. And like close rate, win rate. And I kind of realized that like, I didn't want to make it all about sales. And that's where it started. And like, it, it was a progressionary thing. But like, you know, when someone says, like, what do you do? Like I build champions for a living. Right. Like if I look at win rate and then a champion shoes, that's really when I think it kind of came together for me. Mm-hmm. We started champion shoes as our nonprofit at the end of 2020. It was like, what are we doing with our lives? Yeah. Right. Like the money's starting to come in. We're starting to see success. We're starting to build the, like the lifestyle we wanted. Tiff hadn't quit her job yet, but it was like, we were definitely trending in that direction. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are we doing with our lives? So it was probably mid 2020 when it really kind of clicked for me that like we, we instill championship level confidence in humans for a living. Like we build champions for a living, mm-hmm. you know, cause with the coaching side, obviously it's like I'm building businesses and confidence and leaders and, you know, personal leadership of themselves and leadership of their business. And then with the, with the champion shoes, it was like, we're, we're putting confidence into kids. Like, you know, so for anybody doesn't know, uh, champion shoes is a nonprofit that my wife and I started uh, in 2020 with the intent to give name brand shoes to underprivileged children throughout the country. Because I, I truly believe that there's nothing that replicates the feeling of putting on a new pair of shoes. Like I've yet to find anything that replicates that feeling, like For, the, the swagger, the like the the way you stand taller, the way you mm-hmm. feel stronger, the way you walk into school that next day, or the office, or the gym, even right. Yeah. You get a new pair of Metcons, you walk into CrossFit, you like a fucking bad I'm rich from <laughs> motherfucker, like <laughs> right, and so. That new pair of shoes, it instills a level of confidence, I think, that is hard to replicate. And so when my wife and I said, I said, like, really, what are we doing now? Like, you know, my, my mission statement originally was like, I just, I want to make an impact with every conversation I have. Like, that's how I approach life. I approach life one conversation at a time. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be as prepared as I can be. I'm going to mm-hmm. be as focused as I can be. I think a lot of people miss the impact of like being where their feet are. Like being present. I can't, I can't make an impact with you. 
right now, me and you, mm-hmm. if I'm worried about these two contracts I have to sign, if I'm worried about that call to my kids tonight, right? if I'm worried about whatever. And so I minimized my mission into a giant lifelong strategy around, I'm going to make an impact with every conversation I have. And like, I'm not like the guy, like I'm outgoing, but I'm introverted. I know exactly what you mean. Right. And so like, yeah. I'm in that room today with 200 people and like, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Like I choose my words very carefully. Right. And so when I use them there, they need to be intentional. So like, that's how it started. And then in 2020, we realized like, what are we doing with our lives? Like, what is our mission as a family? Mm-hmm. Like we build champions. Like that's what we do. Like with the people we're around and the people we bring with us, like the employees I have, the kids we support, the coaching clients I have, like it's all about creating champions. Um, and so that, that's really like what, you know, and like, I think, you know, Stuman's got like, he's Kingmaker is like his thing. Right. right? And, you know, and so for me, it was like, you know, what do you do? I, I build champions. You know, that's, that's what I do. And it's a, it's a lifelong mission that I can minimize into the next conversation. And that's where I think so many people get like overwhelmed and confused by like, what am I doing here? Yeah. How about we just worry about what the fuck you're going to do the next time you show up somewhere. Right. Right. Or the next person you talk to, or like how you're going to show up for your kids or your wife or your husband or your employees or your boss or whatever. Right. Yeah. Micro wins, micro wins. And like, that's mm-hmm. where, that's where win fast, went off and came from, which is like the tagline originally created for win rate, like win fast, went off. And what most people don't know is that's, that was actually a survival mechanism for me. Um, like not to get too deep in the story, but like I've dealt with depression, anxiety and whatever. And mm-hmm. actually in, at the end of 2019, I attempted suicide. Um, and very long story. And I think there's a lot of things that played into it. Yeah. But like, even when I was obese, like I used to be 320 pounds. Like I, I've always been in like, I've always, I, I know what the bottom feels like. Mm-hmm. And so when fast went off and for me was like surviving obesity surviving depression, anxiety, surviving suicidal, you know, thoughts and stuff. And, and so win fast, when often is about, I need to find my next win and then I need to win often today, this morning. Or Maybe. else I could slip back into that. And a, and a win is relative to me, right? So like mm-hmm. build, when you, when you look at a championship, right, you look at the champion level of something, it's a season long, right? You can't win the championship in preseason. Well, and often it's even more than that. Correct. It's a lifetime long. Oh, and it's it's experiences after experiences mm-hmm. and adjustments and adjustments, right? So win fast, win often, which kind of plays into the the small wins, is like getting out of bed on time. Yes. Having my gym clothes ready. Having my pre-workout done. Mm-hmm. Have, like knowing where my socks are. Like that's three to four wins I, that I can control that start the winning streak of the day for me, which yeah. plays into everything. When's the last time you woke up late for something? The whole day feels like a loss. Yeah. You feel behind Especially- just all day. You feel like you can never get ahead. You're just, nothing's going right. Nothing's going your way. The only thing that was different is, is how you won the morning or lost the morning. The only difference. Yeah. And so I want to show up in everything I do to represent like what a champion looks like to give other people permission to want to be a champion. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to show up to every conversation I can to bring as much impact as possible. So that's one of the first things I noticed about you was immediately the discipline, right? And there's social media and then there's what you see in person, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you can take a lot from that. You can read a person, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I knew right away, like you were someone that I wanted to be aligned with because it was an inspiring your level of discipline. Right. And so um, I'm not a disciplined person, not compared, not, not standing next to my Claudio. Right. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, and you kind of alluded to it earlier where that came from, because you're constantly, constantly motivated not to slip back into that depression. Mm-hmm. And I a hundred percent know what you mean. You know, I got divorced a couple of years ago and I did the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so when you transfer that into your system and coaching and you're promoting discipline at every level, how do you take someone that's not disciplined? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying me, I'm saying like a salesperson and you don't know their life story. You don't, you know what I mean? Yep. So how do you, and then that's been like, so I recognize when I'm not talented at something and, and my guy, uh, Wayne Skinner, he's a, my VP of sales. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You said vice president earlier and I'm curious why, not why you left, but if that owner tried to keep you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, but we'll get to that after this. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's so when, story. when, when a set, when I recognize a salesperson isn't disciplined, you know what I mean? I, I try to, and let's not do the cliche things right, which is tied to their why, tied to motivation and everything. And then micro wins backwards and all that. Do you have a, a kind of strategy that you approach? Like right now, one of your business owners would come to you and say, Tommy's a jackass. He mm. doesn't go to work on time. He shows up late, you know, whatever the case is. How do you coach that? Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's as cliche as you might think, like mm-hmm. un- understanding. So I'm really big on reverse engineering, right? Like the output down into a daily activity I can control, right? So, you know, you want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year. We got to figure out what your average commission rate is. How many deals do you close? What's your close rate? How many leads do you get? Right. You, you like you break it down into that. So if you want that hundred thousand, then understanding what the hundred thousand means, it is mm-hmm. cliche, but it does tend to work. I guess, I guess I say that because it's something that I use every day. Like it's literally all my comp plan, how yeah. to make a hundred grand. Here's the numbers. Yep. You know what I mean? When I think, you know, you're probably, you're advanced and you're mm-hmm. like, you literally have a sales management like right. lifestyle. Like that's yeah. your world. Right. Yeah. But I think for, for people in your world where like the, the expectations are so high, Honestly, I think firing people is the best way to get the people that are left to be disciplined. And I think like, especially when you hi- when you fire like a top performer mm-hmm. who's not living up to the cultural expectations and the activity expectations, like I've never led by results. I've always led by activity. I don't fucking care how many roofs you close this month. How many, how many doors did you knock? How many calls did you make? How many, how many real estate offices did you drop into? Mm-hmm. Because here's the reality of, and I learned this back when I was in corporate America, a really bad rep can have success in just a good market, right? Right. They just Absolutely. Like, right. And so, but what happens if that market shifts or what happens if we have to realign territories or what happens if, you know, pay-per-click changes or whatever, right? There's a lot of little things that are outside our control. And I want to know that that person knows how to do the job, not just get results. Right. And so when it comes to discipline, like even now, when I meet with my sales manager at WinRate, it's what was the activity from last week, not mm-hmm. what was the results from last week. Because I know for a fact, the process will will yield results. And so it may not come when you think it should. And so when, when you have someone who's showing up late and not doing the activity they're supposed to be doing, like sometimes the best thing you can do is just let them go. Okay, what's the, at what point? And I know there's a lot of variables here. Yeah. For, for us, it's 30 days. We give you 30 days within our system. I'm a four strike. I got four strikes. Okay. All right. So um, this is how I walk through, you know, what, what I, you might consider a performance improvement plan or just a general four strike rule. Okay. Um, and it, it definitely depends on of intensity of the mistake, right? If it's being late is different than like lying, 
right? Or like falsifying records or mm-hmm. like, you know, fucking with like fucking over a client. Those are different. Like those are yeah. fireable offenses, right? Right, right away. Yeah. But like there, if, if, if it's a typical, like just, you know, lackadaisical mental issue mm-hmm. or just not being disciplined. And some whip in your numbers. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's first, it's a friendly verbal warning. Mm-hmm. Hey man, like this, we don't do this around here, man. We got to stop like this, this needs, and this needs your attention. Okay. Um, happens again. It's a, it's a written warning. Hey man, like I'm just, we're going to document this. Like, Hey, you're not really in trouble yet, but like, I want you to know this is real. This is serious. We're going to put a, an official written one. Will you sign right here? Just understand that like, we've had this conversation. You understand what I'm asking you to do. Yeah. Happens again. Final written. If this happens again, you will lose your job. Between the the written warning and the final written warning, I will do a 30 or 60 day performance improvement plan that has a weekly check-in that I'm showing progress. Are you mm-hmm. adapting to what I'm telling you to do? Because if I even if you're adapting slowly, but you're trying, maybe your skill set's just not there, your background's not there. Right, the whatever. results aren't there, but the work is there. But even just the effort to try, like, can you do things differently than you're doing them? Can you show me that you can evolve and adapt to the knowledge I'm giving you or the training mm-hmm. I'm can giving you? Grow? you? Can you grow? Right. So like I'm I'm gonna do a either a 30 or 60 day performance improvement plan where it's a very strict weekly. If you miss one of the weeks, you're fired. Cause you're not bought into your success. Right. I'm huge on, it is very important for you in my ecosystem, whether you're a client or an employee to take ownership of your own success. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that for you. I'll support you. But you take ownership of your own success. So if you're not adapting to the performance improvement plan that we've written, you agreed to, I'm firing you at the end of week one. If you didn't do what you said you were going to do in week one of your improved performance improvement strategy. Mm-hmm. And so like that kind of happens a little bit quicker sometimes too. But the final written happens again. You know, they literally, they chose to quit. You know, they just needed you to make the hard decision, right? That's typically how I go through. Like, if you're late, verbal. Hey, man, like, we don't, you know, just in case you run away, like, we don't be, we're not late around here. Yeah, this you is know, not how we operate. not how we operate here. So next time it happens, hey, man, like, I, like, we had a conversation last week. You're late again. You know, here's a written, you're, I'm writing you up. You know, it's it's not serious, but I, just, I want you to know it's serious that we take this for real and we take our our expectations very seriously. So here's a written warning. You know, if, you know, we are not late, if you're late again, we'll, you'll, you'll, we'll transition into a performance improvement strategy or a final okay. written warning. You're signing it. I'm signing it. And we'll say, hey, look, um, how can we help you be here on time? What happened? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe do we need to set your alarm for maybe 15 minutes earlier? Maybe we need to get to bed a little bit earlier. Maybe we're not drinking Monday through Thursday like you are right now. Like I'm going to try to help you solve the problem. Right. Because there's a reason you are late. It's not because you're a piece of shit and you just want to fuck everybody. No, yeah. it's like there's a reason you're late. You probably don't want to be late. You're probably awkward and uncomfortable when you know you're going to be late. But there's something that you're not able to solve on your own to solve this problem. So let's figure it let's out. Let's figure it out together. I'm going to try to coach you through improving your own issues so that you can meet our expectations. Right. And Because I think that right there, that conversation is the difference between you feeling comfortable firing somebody and you feeling uncomfortable firing somebody because you didn't do enough to support them. Right. I think a lot of business owners struggle with firing people when they know they didn't do a good enough job managing and leading them. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you, did you do a good job onboarding them? Did you do a good job training them? Did you do a good job like holding them accountable? Like I think that difference right there is where business owners struggle feeling like they've done enough to prove that like they've done all they can do. And like when you have that guilt and that shame of not being a good leader, it's hard to fire people. Oh yeah. So that conversation right there after that first written warning is how you can know you did everything you could. Yeah. And that person was not taking ownership of their own success. Well, and we got to remember the best salespeople tell the best stories. So that's what to, they are. That's a, to themselves and everybody stories. else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, they, and they know exactly what to say to get the, exactly. the desirable outcome. Right. 
and but to, I don't to care. keep the opportunity in place. And but that's know? why I, me- I measure the the activity, not the results. Makes sense. But man, I closed a couple of deals. I don't care. That's not what we're talking about here. We're yeah. talking about the fact you were late three days last week. Yeah. Right. We're talking about the fact you disrupted our team meeting because you couldn't be on time. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. And so I'm going to refocus you because you think I'm all about results because every company you've ever worked for didn't matter how you operate. All that matters is you got results. That's not exactly. how I operate. Yeah. I don't give a fuck how many contracts you got last week. This is what I'm talking about. So I've talked about this briefly on like some other podcasts and then, and then my podcast as well. But it's, it, it really is something that we should get into because if you allow that at your company, and, and I know you know this, like it creates a cancer. Oh, yeah. And then it spreads. Well, and so I'm going to say it differently. It creates an acceptance of excuses. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the cancer is probably the easy way to say it, right? People can picture a cancer spreading right. and killing everything, right? Yeah. But when you allow it to happen, it creates a certain level of acceptance of lack of execution on expectations. Mm-hmm. And it's a little thing. It's that one piece of trash that didn't get picked up. Right. It's that, it's that 30 second slate that got that. Well, Hey, no big deal. It's just 30 seconds. The next week it's a minute. And then all of a sudden it's an hour. Yeah. And all of a sudden half your team's not showing up to your team meetings. Like it, it gets that aggressive that quick. But what you did was you created an acceptance and understanding that this is allowed because nothing happened because of it. Yeah. And human nature always is going to push the boundaries until they get burned. Like that's mm-hmm. just how we operate. Right. And so that's no different. Yeah. It's that one day you didn't wake up at four 30 and then all of a sudden you're waking up at six mm-hmm. every day and your schedule's thrown off every day mm-hmm. and you have the shittiest week ever. And then it just downhill Spirals. from there. Yep. Absolutely. So when I found it or when I realized I wanted you on this podcast was when you did a guest podcast for, I can't remember the show, but you started talking about hiring a sales manager and then running a sales team. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. It's like, I'm talking, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But, but it's like a lot more intense than the way Mike delivers. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, this is the way you do it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I get pretty aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I I knew that we, I needed to get you on here and that we Mm -hmm. aligned on a lot of this stuff. Um, And so going into things like culture, you know, because you, you are so dialed in on numbers and discipline and everything. Mm. Um, well, well, let's go back to the vice president days, yep. you know, maybe even earlier mm. when you were coming up from salesperson mm. to the sales manager, what, what happened there? Um, when did you know you were a salesman and then when did you get promoted to sales manager and then how did vice president come about? All right. So like, let's go way back then. Okay. So I failed out of college freshman year. I was playing baseball and I was going to the beach and I got kicked out for my grades. And a friend of mine, I was living on my parents' couch at the time. And my, my, I got a call from my friend. Hey, looking for a job. And I'm like, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I went in and interviewed for a retail sales job for Verizon Wireless. Oh, I forgot about the cell phones. Yeah. And so okay. that's where my sales career started. I'll never forget it. It was a flip phone, old flip phone. Mm-hmm. And the guy, and I was sitting across the table just like this. And it was uh, the store manager and the district manager. And I've never interviewed for a job in my life at this point. Okay. I didn't, I, this, I didn't have a resume. Like a friend recommended me and I got an interview. He showed up, showed up. And, uh, district manager hands me a flip phone goes, sell me text messaging. Okay. This is like before smartphones. I was like, I I, I was in the industry for the whole smartphone revolution. Uh-huh. So I was selling cell phones pre smartphone. That's awesome. And it says, sell, sell me text messaging. And like me and my little smart ass little, I'm, I'm always like the joker. Right. And I'm like, let me turn to my computer and see what, what to see what options we have. And like, that's what I did. I had no fucking idea how to sell anything. Yeah. 
He's like, all right, thank you. We'll let you know. Like that's how the interview ended. And uh, I got a call like four hours later, they, they gave me the job and I turned that into like nine and a half years. I got promoted seven times and had a very successful career there. Damn. How old are you right now? Yeah. 35. No, you're not. Yeah. We're the same age. <laughs> how old did you think I was? I don't know. <laughs> Why does that matter? Well, I'm thinking nine and a half years. So that means that you I filled out of college that you know, you've so I done got there in 19. You've done everything that you've done with the construction side and your coaching side in like six years. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That's why it matters. Yeah. No. So like, so it, it, I got a job at 19. I think it was like 27 when I left, mm-hmm. 27, 28 when I left. Um, and I started the, why'd you leave? <laughs> Let's finish this and then okay. we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I left, you know, 19, I got the job at Verizon Wireless Retail. Five years later, I transitioned. So four years later, I got a, a retail uh, store manager job. So I ran a store for about a year, transitioned to the B2B sales, which was like where I was, be- I belonged in B2B sales, man. It's just, I was, I was notorious for yelling at clients in the retail store. If you've ever been to Verizon Wireless, it's like a war zone in there, man. Mm-hmm. I would yell at people all the time. I didn't give a shit. Um, and in the B2B world, it, it got, it, it helped me. It was like the best thing ever. So that for like four years. Um, and then transitioned to the remodeling company as vice president of sales, but it was like vice president of sales. There were like four employees, right? Like, it's like right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like very relative, right? I think Wayne's felt like that a few times. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I went to the roofing company, um, did that. It was like two or three years at the roofing. Company. I was like probably three years at the remodeling, probably two years at the roofing company. And then I started, uh, coaching when I was still the vice president of okay. the roofing company. And that was 2018. And then 2019, I went full-time coach. So it was three years ago. April 1st is actually when the LLC, April 1st, 2018. is when WinRate Consulting was created. So from but, back, but back to the re, when I left corporate okay. America. So I did retail sales, retail management, B2B sales, small to medium business, and then enterprise. So like I, when I started there, I was working the counter at the retail store. And when I left, my clients were US Airways, Volvo, like multi, you know, like I was big contracts, big, I mean, I, I had eight clients when I, when I left Verizon. Right. Yeah. And I hated it. I'm a hunter. You're bored. You're an account manager now. I, I was a hunter like, mm-hmm. it, cause in small to medium, I hunted like yeah. go out, close deals. Yeah. Cause you need volume. Right. In the, in the enterprise world, um, it was, it was farm these accounts and find opportunities. And I was good at it, but I, I didn't like it. So it's like you guys have 2000 phones and you, I can see an area here where you could use 500 more. Correct. Okay. Yep. You know, or, or it was more than phones too. At that point in the B2B world, there was a lot more connected stuff right. like vehicle tracking iPads, mm-hmm. you know, a lot more like connected devices. Cause like this was 2000, like 12 mm-hmm. that like, like the average, like <laughs> Americans had 1.3 phones a person at that point. Mm-hmm. So like there were more phones than people in the United right. States in 2012. Cause you had the house phone and the cell phone. No cell phones. Cause people had like one for work and one personal. So like there were more than one cell phone per adult in America in 2012. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Crazy. So there's like, we're not selling cell phones anymore. Like yeah. what we were doing at that point was like, Hey, you have AT&T right now. Let's switch you to Verizon. Let's bring your 700 phones over to Verizon. Mm-hmm. Or I'm trying to sell you additionally connected devices. Like, you know, connected, uh, smart devices, vehicle tracking, iPads, right. all the other non-phone stuff. Um, and I hated it. And this is really where I think this is probably my second major bout with depression was like, I was just miserable. I hated it. And I, and I knew it and I knew it for a while. 
Yeah, and it kind of ran its course. You know, I, you know that that long. Like Verizon was the only company I worked for mm-hmm. at that point. Um, it, and let it, me ask you something. Yeah. It and it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong. Your whole identity was tied into your work. My whole identity was tied to my metrics. Wow, that's even worse. Because, <laughs> and I, I've actually like really put some thought into this on how do I find joy in my life? Right, it's something I struggle with. Like I don't, I'm not sure I know what joy feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy sometimes, you know, I get excited sometimes, but I'm not sure I'm, I know what pure like joy looks like, you know, like the joy of like a six year old playing with Legos, right? Like that, like that joy as an adult is hard. It's, hard it's to different. Get back. It is. Yeah. But I looked back at like, where did this come from? This performance anxiety, this, you know, obsession with winning, where did it come from? Mm-hmm. And it's dude, every thing I've ever done has been related to a scoreboard. I was a four sport athlete in high school. Yeah. I mean, like I was 12 months a year, you were winning or you were losing. There was nothing in the middle. Did your, did your parents push that? Yeah. Um, I mean, to an extent, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I thrived, you know, I, I, I was socially awkward to an extent because I was always Mm -hmm. a big kid. Um, there's so much to unpack here, but (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, all right, we got episode four. Let's keep, let's keep going. But, um, you know, where I found happiness was competing mm-hmm. like, and I couldn't compete in the classroom. I was not a good academic, like scholastic student. I got good grades cause I was smart, Yeah, but I wasn't like a student. I didn't really fit in well with people and kids and I didn't really like, I didn't fit in well. So I wasn't winning there, but you put me on a, on a, on in a competitive field court. I was going to outwork you like mm-hmm. a motherfucker and I was going to win. And I did that really well for a long time. So you and me would have competed at the volleyball game at Easter for sure. Bro, you'd, you'd, you'd be done. I mean, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't even be a compare. I've seen, I've seen you lift. You're, oh, <laughs> damn, I deserve that. I deserve that. Um, and so, so, I, so everything was related to the scoreboard. Uh-huh. Did you, did you not win? And like, look, I have really great parents, you know, mm-hmm. I love them very much. Um, but they were always the, Hey, good game, but Hey, you won, but like you, you had that one play. God, I'm that asshole dad. It, it was yeah. old. Stop, please stop. You're gonna be. Yeah. Please stop. Yeah. Because it feels like no matter what, you can never do enough. I just, I have that coaching in me. I you do. Know what I'm I, saying. I, I, I do I it now it. to my three year old. Yeah. I'm trying to work on it. Yeah. We're like, there can be enough. Mm-hmm. Like you did enough. But the sick side of that is, it's what makes me great at my job, right? But yes. as a kid, I was very. It was very much so. Like, hey, you did good, but. And so for, I never felt like I could do enough yeah. and you get in a corporate and like Verizon as a sales rep, I had a 30 day quota cycle every 30 days for nine and a half years. Your shit. I went from, <laughs> I went from hero to zero yeah. every single month for nine and a half years. I had a 30 day quota cycle that wore me out because no matter how good I did on the 31st, no matter how, how high of my sales were on the first, it was, what are you gonna do for us this month? You know, and it, that, that destroyed me in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. Absolutely destroyed me. But like, okay. So grading scale, right? Elementary school grading scale, then mm-hmm. sports, everything's related to the scoreboard and the, or statistics. Mm-hmm. Then I fail out of college and then I get a sales job. I've been managed by metrics my whole life. And that's why you're incredible at them too. But now I understand, dude, I was like the middle school kid. I could tell you the, the, the stats of every kid on the middle school basketball team, like free throw percentages, three, mm-hmm. three point percentages, 
fouls. Like I, I literally would take the book home from the games and I would like put them into a fucking spreadsheet. Wow. Like since middle school, bro. Like people are like, Mike, you have a lot of spreadsheets. I'm like, you have no idea how addicted to spreadsheets I am. I like data because I can make educated decisions from data. Yeah. And so I obsess about it, which makes me great at the time management and the time Absolutely. blocking and the, and the accountability and all that. But it's also an obsession that does hurt me sometimes mm -hmm. because I can't just look at something and be happy with it like ever. <laughs> and like contentment's a, a big issue for us in and, general. And yeah. I think that's what makes us business owners, mm -hmm. right? Because we're, we're never okay with status quo, which means we were trying to do more, which is what like me and you, if we're both 35 mm -hmm. over the next 30 years are going to positively impact millions of people because of this sickness. So is it a bad thing? Sure. Maybe in some of our personal relationships, we don't really keep friends around that long. It may Maybe have with been our wives. my divorce. So yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> bad. Yeah. The impact we're going to make because of it. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. I mean, like I'm already impacting hundreds of thousands of people a year with just my content. Mm -hmm. Like that's not an exaggeration. Like I literally, no, I, I get 20,000, yeah. I get 20,000 views a month on my YouTube channel right now. And I'm only 18 months in. What is five years from now going to look like? And I'll only be 40. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's, that's where this is going. So like my obsession with improvement and my obsession with data and my obsession with metrics keeps me continually evolving, which is one of my core values. Like it's very important for me to like constantly be getting better. And so I don't even know where we're going anymore with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know what? And just to dial it, just to why I left, why I left Verizon was the original question, yeah. but yeah, I just got so, burnt out. One of the things I think the listeners can take from this is at, at you know, and, and this is a, a common thing. And again, like you said, it's, it's not cliche. It's probably just cause I'm in the space, but hire athletes, hire, hire people athletes. that, that, that love sports, you know? Well, and, and here's the, but I think, it's not because of their drive or their, or their competitiveness. Mm -hmm. I think athletes understand better than anybody else that you need to put in work for the whole season and you still might not win. You can't learn that anywhere else. Everywhere else is like, I worked hard. I deserve a raise. Right. The fuck you do. Yeah. You get three, 4% a year, whatever. Yeah. But like yeah. athletes know that you can do everything right and still lose. Athletes know you have to put in preseason and the regular season and the mm -hmm. playoffs to get to the championship. There's, there's a process that takes time. There's a commitment here that will pay off in three years. And I don't think anybody can properly relate to that other than a competitive athlete. It makes sense because you go through progressions, you know, and you, you start out yeah. not knowing how to throw a ball, right. you know what I mean? And then you end up, on a 90 mile an hour fastball or, or whatever. Or, or even that, like you have to maintain activity for the whole season. You can't have up, ups and downs. You lose your edge. You can't have a bad game, right? Like you mm -hmm. can, but you're not supposed to, right? So like athletes know you can't take a day off. Non-athletes, I think people who went home at 2.30 when the school day was over, and I'm not knocking them. Yeah. They just physically can't comprehend what it's like to go to school all day practice for three or four hours. Then you have to do your homework and you have to do it all over again. Yeah. And you better be ready to perform on Friday night or you're not going to play. Yeah. For me, it was getting up at 5 a.m. and being running, running eight miles for cross country. At, you were a cross country runner? I was no a cross country runner. you can't runner. lift weights, man. <laughs> it all makes sense now. You know why I was a cross country runner? Because I wasn't talented. And that's where you go when you're not talented and you have heart. You go to cross country. Yeah, you better have some heart. Yeah. And so uh, I well, wasn't you, tall. You, you I was you short. Like one of those like, you know, 
typical athletes? No, really not at all. I, I, I didn't reach my peak until I was like 21. It was too late. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I grew two inches from 18 to 21. I graduated high school at, at five foot 11, 235 pounds. Wow. <laughs> I was a dude. I'll never like, I was five foot nine, 185 in the eighth grade. <laughs> wow. Dude, I'm playing junior high football, destroying people. I hate you. I was a grown ass <laughs> man. Yeah. But then like that didn't stop. I got to 320 because of it. Right. Yeah, like, that, you know, gotcha. so like I matured early, but the minute you take, like, cause I, I tore my ACL my senior year mm-hmm. playing basketball. Missed football season, missed basketball season, yeah. played baseball in the spring, and then I tore it to leave. It was my thumb, my last high school baseball game. And so, like, I developed a drinking problem. Like, when you're not playing football as a senior in high school, you know what you're doing on Friday nights? Yeah. You're drinking your face off. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, not all of you, I get it. Your baby boy is not out drinking all the time. But, like, <laughs> but like that's what you did. Like, we yeah. lived in, I lived in central Virginia. There wasn't shit to do. Like, and if I wasn't on a field, I was at a party. Yeah. Uh, that's where my, my drinking issues probably really began. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that, it was just, you know, it, I'm, my size did not always play in my favor. Yeah. Yeah. So you went from a remodel company to a roofing company and in roofing, the most common way to get customers, at least in residential is knock doors. Well, here's the difference. I was retail only. We didn't do, we didn't do storm work. Right. So I, I guess my, my question is, um, never, so you, I've never knocked a door. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and I know this already. I hate it. <laughs> so walk me through that system of Man, not, of not, all right, not so generating the lead. I'm going to tell you about like wh- how I learned it. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I joined the remodeling company, um, there was no marketing budget. There was no process. There was nothing. And it was like, Mike, you're here to sell. We have no leads for you. Go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it's, that's how I figured out like what, why I was successful in roofing is like what I figured out and how to go out and build relationships, network appropriately, prospect appropriately, which is things I learned in corporate America when I was selling to small businesses, mm-hmm. right? Cause in Verizon wireless, you don't get leads, right? right? You go hunt your, your territory. So I took things I learned in corporate America and mm-hmm. out and out in outside sales. And I was like, okay, well, I know I got to meet people. So where, where do, who do I want to meet? And I figured out who I wanted to meet. I said, what biggest problems do they have? Let me go try to solve those. I went and solved those problems. And then they started bringing me projects. I'm like, well, that worked. Let me try it again over here. And then try to get over here. Can you give me an example of the problem you solved? Oh, yeah. So, like, one of the the easiest ones early on, like, to put it in context, like, this remodeling company was doing, like, three to four hundred grand a year. And average project size is probably twenty five hundred bucks. Okay. Right. So, like, more of a handyman style world, not too many big projects. And so, one of the biggest problems for me was, or that I uncovered was, first part is, how to find the right referral partners is there's two things in my opinion that go into a good referral partner. One, they're in a trusted advisory role of your ideal client. Okay. Right. So like they, like they have to be trusted by the person that you want to get to because then the referral won't mean anything. Right. And two, they have to refer has to directly benefit from me helping their client. Absolutely. That has okay. nothing to do with me giving you a referral fee. Right. I, I've never paid a referral fee in my life. And I, I literally was a hundred percent referral based. So, so in my head, I want to say, okay, who am I, who's my ideal client? Homeowners. What's our ideal project? More repair work. Who has repair work? People selling homes. Who's their trusted advisor? Their real estate agent. What's their real estate agent's biggest problem? They can't get a contractor to call them back. 
So I would send DMs on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Hey, are you struggling hearing back from contractors getting your repair work done? So pain point, put the pain point out in the open, solve the Question. pain point. Pain, solve the pain point. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I can't find a painter. Oh, I got somebody I can refer to you. And I would help people. I became like, what I say is if you're trying to win a marketplace, go become the go-to guy for everything. Right. And, and you didn't try and make money off the painting job. You nope. just sent them the painter. There you go. And then I became the guy they came to because I would, I would, I was good at vetting people and I was good at giving good referrals. And, but like, so I use a, you were the plug, but I use a strategy for, and if you watch, and I still use it to this day, mm -hmm. right? This is 15 years. I've been using the same strategy. Okay. The formula that I use for content creation. And if you watch my YouTube videos or you see some of my posts, you're going to see it immediately, but it's problem cause solution benefit. Write this down. <laughs> what is the problem they're experiencing? Why are they experiencing it? What are you suggesting they do as a solution? What will they get for doing that thing? Benefit. Mm -hmm. Right. So most people go and say like, dude, like we're the best contractor around and we do the best work. We have the best reputation. You can trust us. What is best? But it's about you. Mm -hmm. People don't give a fuck about you yeah, at all. So if you look at most of my content, even my YouTube videos, or my old Instagram videos I did all the time, it was always leading with the problem, right? So if I'm prospecting to a real estate agent, it's not, hey, do you need one of the best contractors in town? It's, hey, you're probably struggling hearing back from contractors because most contractors don't have a great strategy around follow through and follow up. Mm -hmm. Working with us, we have this and this in place so that you know that we're going to take care of you in a timely fashion. Huge. And then the only people that would respond are people with the problem, which are the only people I wanted to talk to. I mm -hmm. think so many sales reps get stuck trying to sell something to somebody who doesn't want it. And somebody who isn't or someone who doesn't have a pain point, the only problem you can solve is be cheaper. Yeah. I've always been the most expensive option. Oh, man. So if they don't have a problem that you can solve, the only problem you can present to them is they're spending too much money. You know, and I'm not going to knock solar, but mm -hmm. it's kind of the approach. Hey, we'll, 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 we'll lower your electric bill. So it's funny you say that because I have been looking for how to be different in solar. You know what I'm saying? And we actually just got a text this morning from, uh, and, and I'll go ahead and shout them out. Uh, Jory Mack and uh, Drew Horgan, uh -huh. they have a program that allows homeowners to depreciate the, their solar system and saves them additional money besides the ITC tax credit over time on their taxes. So they just texted me this morning, one of our people, and we paid for it. We paid for it up front. We sent them 400 bucks. Hey, take care of this person. Let's see if you can do this. And they got them 10,500 over the next four years back dollars. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the ways that we're trying to differentiate ourselves. And we're not even talking about price. We're talking about, Hey, the industry as a whole has an integrity issue and we are the integrity company. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. You know, when I was doing Uverse, I, I, I had this cancer spread and I had a, a hundred contractors at the time, a hundred 1099 sales reps at the time. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had this because it, we were the first whole home DVR with AT&T Uverse. And so it was taking orders. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody they, wanted you can it. You pause it in there. You can play it yeah. in there. What? And then Genie came out Yeah, and now you got to actually fucking sell. And I realized I had a, I had a issue with my whole company that these were order takers. Mm -hmm. And so I had to relearn them how to pitch, how to create a dominant buying motive, mm -hmm. and then how to present the customer with the solution. Like you said, 
And so, so, so like if I were to take what you just described to me on about the depreciation over time, mm-hmm. my problem is like, Hey, are you struggling finding ways to minimize your tax burden as a business owner? Mm-hmm. Have you considered like, that's the problem. Yeah. Every business owner in the world Wants is interested, is interested in, in minimizing their tax burden. Mm-hmm. Right. So the problem's not, have you considered solar? The problem is not, hey, have you thought about minimizing your electric bill? Because let's be honest, like you're not really doing much by lowering their electric bill. Like you're not changing their lives. My opinion, mm-hmm. it's a couple hundred bucks, right? But you can come in now and say like, hey, if you considered, oh, you know, alternative ways to, you know, minimize your tax burden. Yeah. Hey, do like for this, this, and this, we can put this over here. And then these guys over here are going to do this. And like, this is what's going to happen. So if my, so much easier. Yeah, it is. If my guys <laughs> went to a door and said, hey, we're going to lower your lecture bill. They'd be gone because, but that one, happens all the time. One, it's not true. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're here to offset your electric bill, lock it in at the current rate, and then show you how over 25 years, you know, we can save you 25 grand. You know what I mean? And I just Versus, don't. Think, I don't think people can look that far ahead. No, they, and trust me, they have a hard time doing it. But it's not just about that. That is just the yeah. hey, this is the function. The but what's really happening is you're taking control of your energy. And that's what everybody wants to do right now. Is that, is that what people are saying? Yeah. No. You're, you're taking control back. So, so right, what, so, what happened during the freeze? Yeah. Everybody lost control and they had these yeah. crazy ass electric bills and they had no way to say, Hey, fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to do my own thing. Like, it's like collecting rainwater being illegal. Yes. Fuck what you. the fuck? That's yeah. crazy. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just a really weak and lazy way to go about fixing a problem. Absolutely. But yeah, but okay, but problem, cause, solution, benefit, right? So you mm-hmm. want to get more solar deals. Mm-hmm. Where does somebody who's considering solar going when they're looking for information? Where do they go? Google. I don't think so. My opinion is they're going to their trusted, their trusted network of people. Okay. Like they're going to go to somebody they trust to get an answer. Because at this point, Google's so ad-driven. Mm-hmm. I think most people, <clears throat> they're going to somebody they know that have done it or knows about it or has interest in it. They're going to somebody they know first. Yeah, we haven't really identified that person because, you you know, your instinct would say realtor, mm-hmm. but realtors hate solar because it makes them work harder for the same commission. So. But where's the homeowner going if they want solar? If nobody's top of mind, I, I can't see anything other than Google because it's a it's a new product. Well, then you, know you need saying? to go research your last 50 customers and say, when you first started looking into solar, where did you go first? They didn't. We came to their door. Okay. And we pitched them on solar. <laughs> well, okay. So, and that, but in my opinion, that's a harder way to do it because they're not ready to make that decision. They have not mm-hmm. done their research. They, everybody has their own decision process. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go hunt for the people who are in their decision process. Right. And so where are they going first? Mm-hmm. I get it. You, you sell door to door. It's different. I just, you, we, well, this we whole also, conversation started with how did you yeah, sell roofing yeah. without going door to door? This is how. Right. I said, okay, when people have a roofing issue, where do they go first? They're going to their contractor. They're going to their HOA. They're going to the property manager. They're going to the real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So I went all in on those those four people. Yeah, I I sold three point eight million dollars in roofing by myself in two thousand eighteen. Just from referral, just partners. from referral partners, and yeah, I did not so, pay a dollar in referral fees. So when we look at our opportunity structure, it's one we're doing marketing, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're absolutely doing marketing and. Josiah Adkins with Prospect Bacon is putting us in front of customers. That are One of the best solar. in yeah. the world at what he does. So we're, we're absolutely doing that too. You know, I want to be diversified in our lead generation. Um, but another thing that I put together is in the opportunity structure, when you become 
uh, an area manager is what we call it. Now you can enlist referral partners. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yep. And the number one referral partner right now is a roofer. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So we've put together a program. Now you're able to pitch that program to roofers, pay them a little something, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a 2.0 of that program, which is the roofing closer sells the solar too and gets paid a legit commission for the solar. Yeah, we just take, become, a, yeah, we okay. take a small piece off yep. the top for facilitating the deal. You know what I mean? And then there's just straight up, hey, you know, pay me a one-time consulting fee and I'll show you how to sell solar. I'll connect you with the APCs mm -hmm. and give you the systems and processes and then I'll walk away and you do your thing. Yep. You know what I mean? So well, there's levels to it. And, and I have seen so many businesses for, and it's not just one reason, number of reasons, but they end up going bankrupt trying to buy leads. Mm -hmm. Right. And like we, we both know the people out there. They're just out there like, I just want to buy up every lead I can. I don't yeah. care how good it is. And we're going to put my sales team in front of, we're going to have massive churn on my sales team and mm -hmm. we're just going to keep hustling. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just solar. It's not just roofing. It happens in a number of industries, but primarily those two. Yeah. Um, and so I want to be different. Mm -hmm. I, I have never spent a dollar on a lead, you know, and it's all because it was just like, there's got to be a different way to do this because as algorithms change and as pricing increases, I think it becomes exponentially more risky mm -hmm. to like increase your sales team by just buying more leads or spending more on marketing because right. it pivots and changes so much. I rather teach people how to go hunt on their own. And like mm -hmm. that's always been my approach. And like, that's primarily a lot of what I teach now. Like most people have like, they're, I'm not a marketing expert. I know how to create messaging that matters. I know how to like do copywriting that effectively gets a response, but like, I don't know how to like run an ad effectively because mm -hmm. I'm just going to go like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go meet you and I'm going to get you right. to know, like, and trust me. And I'm going to ask you for what I want after I've helped you solve a problem. Yeah. The, it's the, that simple. I, I wouldn't say it's a, it, it's not a dying art form in the top levels of business, but it's a dying perception of getting leads. You know what I mean? That you have to, you have to, uh, you have to do it digitally or you're, you're a dinosaur, which I think is complete bullshit. It'll because, come back around though. Yeah, absolutely. Cause like, I think right now, even like when Google had to put like the little ad emblem in front of like the, the ones that are ads on Google, I think people scroll right past all the ads now. Oh, I a hundred percent do. So like, you know, and so it's, it's, it's going to come back around at especially, some point. You know, it's funny. I'll purposely, the company I want will come up. And I'll purposely go past it and click because I'm a business owner and I'm like, I'm not going to waste their. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't earn it. Weird? You didn't earn it. You, isn't you, that weird? Well, you yeah. don't, you, you don't want to make them pay per click. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's real though. Because <laughs> um, I, I think about it from their point of view. It's like I was going to them either way. I just didn't want to take the time to put it in their website or whatever the case. I just yeah. put it in Google instead. Yeah. yeah. I get it. <laughs> you know, but I think, look, overall, um, I think if more people put more effort into, becoming known, liked, and trusted. Mm -hmm. I think if they put more effort into solving problems, whether it helped them or not, I think the world would be a better place. Not trying to get like all high level, but, but like, I think people would like, if you, if every time you met a person, you knew that like that person was just going to try to help you self mm -hmm. selflessly. Mm -hmm. like, if you call me for something, I'm not going to like try to like, yeah, I'll do that. If yeah. you know that, right. Yeah. Those absolutely. are better relationships. They're people that you enjoy being around more. They're people that you trust being open and honest with. And they're the people mm -hmm. you want to help the most. My, my favorite thing about those people is they'll say, they'll tell me if they can't do it. 100%. They won't string me along, you know what I'm saying? And, and have me fill that spot for them. And then they're, they don't deliver. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. if I can't do it, I'll tell you straight up. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you want to open, open a, a solar company in North Carolina. Hey, I'm not your guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have EPCs there. I don't have relationships there. 
you know, I can, I can definitely give you advice and stuff like that, but I'm not going to set everything up for you mm -hmm. there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I a hundred percent agree. So vice president, um, <laughs> I know we're going That's a great episode. It is. If, it, if only if you would have taken notes, maybe we would have, we would have stayed more on track. I yeah, the phone went blank. You know what I mean? I was like, that's a sign. It went dark. So I'm just going to stop with the note. And we mainly covered everything. I've got one one thing at the end that I'm excited to tell you. Um, and like because you. I've been thinking about this for a while. Okay. But I'm going to say that for the end. Oh, man. I'm going to build some suspense. Are you about to ask me on a date? I already did that. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I'll be your Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. So vice president. And like, I guess the question is what? So were you able to build that out before you built your business out or did you just kind of jump out of that into your business? Oh no. The question was, why didn't you, why didn't you stay? And right. what did that, that owner do to, to make you stay? Cause I mean, the owner is the reason I left. Okay. Um, so I, I was a big part of, of growing that organization. And, you know, I think he, if you ask him right now, he'd probably disagree. Um, uh -huh. but you know, ultimately there were things going on outside of my purview that I did not have access to, that he was making decisions with money that, that were putting the company at, at real risk. And, you know, very long story short, we had a trip planned. He kind of ghosted me and just like, didn't come and like seemed weird, mm -hmm. seemed out of character. And I come back and like, we're on the verge of bankruptcy. Like this end of 2018, like I took the company grew it by millions of dollars and like, we're on the verge of bankruptcy. And like, mm -hmm. I, I don't think there was one thing. I think it was an accumulation of things. And there was things that right. I was responsible for as well. Like the blame's not all on him. Right. You know, like I had never sold a roof in, until 2017 when I joined the roofing company. Mm -hmm. And so like, I learned my way forward. I'm sure I made mistakes. We made pricing adjustments. We increased this. We changed this. I got better at this, you know, like, but I'm sure I made mistakes too, that I was, I was part of the problem, but ultimately he did not share information with me. And I made decisions as vice president because I had my own pipeline of people and I had anywhere from four to eight sales guys working for me at any given time, depending on, yeah. you know, people come and go, but turnover. You know. yeah. And so, you know, I helped start a new market and I was, I was doing my job well, I thought. And like, he just kept a lot of information from me. And I was, I was at the point where it's like, we have to fire three or four people or I need to quit. Mm -hmm. Like those were the two options. And like two or three of those people were really good friends of mine that I brought into the company. I probably wouldn't have if I had known the financial situation the company was in. But I was just doing my job with the information I had. And, right. you know, I wish he would have told me sooner so I could have been more part of the solution. And, but I think, so win rate started middle of 2018. I mm -hmm. had like a handful of clients at the end of 2018. I was charging like nothing because I was just trying to figure my, I was like. Right, cutting work. your teeth. Yep. Yeah. And so that I saw as my opportunity, my push, because like I was set up to make three or 400 grand in 2019 with the mm -hmm. contracts I had in place. And I was like, look, if I quit, this commission that you own, that you were going to pay me, you can put back into the business and figure it out. Um, and so I, uh, that's, that was ultimately, I left to save some jobs and to try to, you know, protect and save the company. And it was more important to you to walk away and put them in a good place than it was to collect that check. hundred percent. Yes. You knew what you were about to build. And, and I also, I didn't. Um, <laughs> oh, you didn't. Okay. No. Um, there's a lot of, you know, and, I, but ultimately it was, I viewed it as God telling me, go like, you have this other backup plan that these other people don't. Mm -hmm. This, I, I took it as like, I would have never voluntarily left. So that, that, I believe that situation happened, which was God's sign for me to like, Hey, it's your, it's your turn. Yeah. Go do your thing. 
Yeah, this is your sign. And so I, I decided, I told Tiff, I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this. We're going to quit this. Um, I set some metrics in place, like we talked about, to say like, <laughs> hey, what does success look like in 2019? Yeah. Like if I hit these certain thresholds or metrics, I'll say this is successful and I can build a life from this career as right. a coach. Hit the metrics and kind of just have been solving problems ever since. Like I'll, I'll be transparent with people. I don't mind telling people like I did like $18,000 in coaching fees in 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. like 130 grand. Uh, That's when you were full-time. Yeah. Full-time. Mm-hmm. So a hundred grand was my number. If I can get, to, if I can make a hundred thousand dollars in gross, gross. Yeah. Just, I, I, I can build it. Cause I don't have, you know, there's not much overhead. Right. Right. I didn't have, like I didn't have much, but, but that that's still important to understand. You these know are gross I mean? numbers. When I, when I say that to a salesperson, they automatically think that's what's going on in my pocket. And I'm yeah. like, no, that's silly. Yeah. You know, I know you still had expenses. Yeah. I mean, I, I got an office, like, I, you know, so yeah. I did some stuff, but like, so a hundred grand was the number. I think I hit like 130 in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 2020, I did like a little over 300, mm-hmm. 2021, I did a million. We're, we're trying to do about 3 million this year. So you've been literally tripling 300% every year for every four year. years. Yeah. Amazing. It's hard. I mean, it, it, it's not all like, you know, I, I spent a hundred thousand dollars this month on, on, uh, events. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sponsoring some events this year to get us in front of a different audience. Yeah. You know, and like my, my commission payment was a big, like I spent 30 grand on commission to my team. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's more than I made. That's more than I made in any month in 2021. Uh, tell me about some of the stuff you're sponsoring. So MDM, we're going to be, we're uh, one of the higher sponsors, a silver sponsor for MDM. And then we're a mm-hmm. platinum sponsor for RoofCon. Oh, I'm excited about that one. That's going to be huge for you. That's going to be huge. And cause yeah. I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to get a breakout session. Yeah. That's awesome. That's going to be huge. Um, I'm excited about that one though. We're going to get a big booth. Um, it's really gonna give me an opportunity to push both win rate and ACS. Mm-hmm. I have this big vision. So we're going to get this big booth at RoofCon. I'm going to do like win rate on one side, ACS and other than the middle. I'm going to do this big, big stud podcast, like, like banner and shit. I'm going to do live podcasts right there in my booth. I'm going to do the same thing at SolarCon. Yeah? Yeah. That's oh, that's sick. sick. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, I'm the excited same about idea. It. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do we wish to become best friends again? Yeah. Um, but no, so RoofCon's a big one. MDM's a big one for us. Mm-hmm. But I've also hired like six people and I got two more coming on and like, mm-hmm. I'm going all in on this. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I'm not like bringing home half a million dollars. Like if we do 3 million this year, like I might bring home like 300 grand, mm-hmm. which is like, I'm not knocking it. Right. But I understand like 3 million is not what Mike Claudio is making. 10 per, 10% net is pretty solid. I mean, that's where you should be, especially if you're doing like 20 to 30% mm-hmm. net profit, you know, 10% net to you. Yeah. Then you're keeping money in the company yep. to grow, whatever yeah. the case yeah, I mean, is. We, I mean, like we ended last year at about a, you know, after everything was paid, including myself, I think we were about a 27% net profit, mm-hmm. which I'm on a million bucks. It's you know, my, my biggest year ever, I was 8%. It's a different game, man. I was a horrible business owner, though. <laughs> I was. Looking back now, yeah. I know how bad I was. Yeah. But this was 10 years ago, you know? So And look, and, and, and my pricing is only going to go up yeah. because the results we're getting is worth it. And like, mm-hmm. and I'm confident in it. And I keep, I, I've always just keep stepping it forward. And like, I'm confident in what we charge. I'm confident in why we do it. I'm mm-hmm. confident in what my team can do for people now because it's not just me anymore. You know, I'm confident in the results. And, and you know, we, we've had, I've always offered a money back guarantee. Mm-hmm. And we've had over 300 clients and the only people I've refunded, I've refunded two people because I fired them because they weren't showing up to do the work. Yeah. That a single person who has completed their entire contract period with us has asked for a refund. That's a win for me, man. Like that's a, like I don't, that's, that's legit. And I don't care what coach you are like that. I've, I've always had a hundred percent money back guarantee. Mm-hmm. And 
We have about a 70% renewal rate past initial contract period, which is typically six or 12 month initial contracts. Mm-hmm. We have about a 70% renewal rate. And what like, do other coaches have? I have no idea. I bet like Apex is probably pretty similar. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know for sure, but. But, but so many other coaches like, and, you know, definitely outside the Apex community, uh, you don't understand what they're really doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I, I love about your business is it's very numbers based. Mm-hmm. So you can see the ROI in the fucking spreadsheet. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So that's huge. So my big surprise. Where are we at? One hour. Just oh my hour. goodness. Yeah. That's a so, good one. Yeah. So my big, or not big, you know what I mean? But my. So I'm so nervous. What's about to happen? We've, we've had, you know, we've always had a charity that we gave to every month. Right. And so, um, most recently we didn't, you know what I mean? Cause we were operating at a loss several months in a row. And so, uh, I wanted to get back into doing that. You know, we, we turned over our first dollar profit on solar out of like everything I put into it in the last six months. It's finally profiting like mm-hmm. over the last six months. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, What's that? So congratulations. Appreciate well, it's it. It's got to feel good. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a product I knew nothing about six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, the fact that we like, we close 120 kilowatts, you know, I'm on a high, so this is good for you. So, <laughs> so what I want to do and, you know, start small and grow from here, but yeah. I, I want to start small. So every solar deal that we install, we want to donate a pair of shoes. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's so, awesome. I've never had a long-term charity partner, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because um, I like jumping around. And I want to give you a hug things. right now, man. Like, no, no, you're it's, good. Dude, it's just, that, that mission is so powerful for us. So with the, one of the ways that this is going to kind of hold me accountable is in order to hit my target for 2022, I have to sell 400 systems. Okay. So I have to donate. Yeah. 400 pairs of shoes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to know at the end of the year <laughs> if Doug didn't hit his target. That's good. <laughs> oh, and one more, one more story I want to tell. All right. And then we'll wrap it up. Uh, so there's, there's another impact that you had on me and kind of, you know, this is my way of like giving back to you. I'm on day 61 of 75. Hard. boy. So, so close. So tell, so first of <laughs> all, I failed this program five times. And, and what it taught me was that, I'm for not stupid as, reasons too. Yeah. I'm not as disciplined as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I ever thought I was, but it really exposed me. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until you. Yeah. So, so I think, I think you were in like, you were in your one month in the honorary goon squad, I think when you started maybe. The first time. Yeah. 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 And so like, I think you reached out to me or a couple other people, or maybe it was Thomas saying like, I'm just struggling completing this thing. Like I need some mm-hmm. accountability. Yeah. And so, you know, so I look at, you know, somebody like you and like money's not really going to motivate you, you know, stuff like you pretty much have like the things that you really want. You have a healthy mm-hmm. family, like you're a happy dude, but like what would really piss this dude off? And so I looked at it and I realized we were both going on the coaching con trip. Yeah. And I think it's April, right? Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, I got a good one because he does not like being embarrassed and he does not like not being the alpha. So I said, all right, bro, if you fail 75 hard this time, you have to carry my luggage for that entire trip. And here's the crazy part about it. I just accepted it as rule, as law. You know what I mean? And I've never done that before. Normally I would have been like, ah, fuck you. I don't have to do what you say. You know what I mean? But I was just like, 
it, and it's because of the respect and yeah, I uh, that. that I have for you. And I was just like, bro, there's, it's done. Yeah. I finished the program already. <laughs> like, well, you've definitely, I think you've <laughs> definitely approached it differently this time. I think yeah. you, I think you have actually evolved the 4:30 a.m. wake up. That's yeah. the that's the. It's not even a hack. It's obvious. You have. Yeah, that's why. That's why I get up before. I get up yeah. 4 a.m. every day, mm-hmm. or six days a week. Sunday I sleep in. Yeah. To like you know six. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean like and, and like dude, like I respect you too. Right? I know you look up to me, but like you're somebody that I respect and mm-hmm. I look at as somebody that like I do enjoy like growing you know a friendship with and everything else and like like accountability is my thing, right? Like yeah. that's what I'm known for. And like when people like can't solve shit on their own, they've tried everything else. They call me like I'm that guy. Yeah. You know, I'm the cleaner. Like if I had to put a turn, like I, th- I believe I am that guy. I, I think that I, I'm, I still need to mature a little bit. I think I still mm-hmm. need to grow a little bit, but like, I believe I'm going to be the guy people call when they really need results. Absolutely. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And that's not for everybody. And you know, and that I'm okay with that. But with you is like, I got to help this guy. Like I'm, I, I'm, I feel bad for him that he has to keep posting that he fucking failed 75 hard. And I was like, dude, he would hate to have to carry my luggage. And you did That's from perfect. the minute I sent it. You're like, okay, it's done. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not, I am not doing that. And I mean, you got two weeks left and you're not done yet, but yeah. you know, I mean, I think you've definitely approached this one with more intentionality and more, more consistency. So it's been cool to watch that happen. And, and every single time, like literally it's woken me up, not woken me up, but yeah. like you lay in bed you're like, ah, I'm done for the day. And then, boom, shit, my picture. Yeah. I got to take my fucking picture. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm in my head. I'm like, damn, if I didn't take that damn picture, I'd be carrying freaking Mike's luggage. Anyways. All my food. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, this is awesome. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, stepping up to the plate and, you know, helping us with ACS. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of, the, of what we've built there. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is like, I can usually find something I don't like about a charity. And I, and I, I can't with you guys freaking it's amazing what you guys are doing in and, and the way you describe the putting on. So for me, it's boots. Cause I'm five ten and boots make me six foot, <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right. It's sneakers for kids, man. It is, man. It 100%. is, you know, and, and even just the confidence of like walking into school, like knowing you, you know, if you ain't got them on or mm-hmm. if you do. Like you exactly. just, you know, yeah, you know, and like kids have enough shit to worry about, man. They got enough fucking bullshit and kids suck and there's bullies out there and mm-hmm. it's getting worse. And you know, if I can do a little bit, play a little role. Cause one of my favorite parts of actually is like the shoes is cool. Yeah. Every pair of shoes we send, we put a handwritten note that says, we believe you are capable. Go be a champion. Mm-hmm. And like and the, what, what gets me excited is like, if I can get one kid to take that note and put it in their bathroom mirror and look at it every day. And, and they're able to climb out of a hopeless situation, right? Because I think maybe it's hard. I, I think it's hard for me to understand and grasp, but like in underprivileged communities, hope is not everywhere. Nope. It's almost the opposite, right? Kids are really taught that like you can't have and you won't have and there's, yeah, no, so, there's no potential. And there's no way out. So instead of working for it, you got to work the system. And so for me, like that card that we handwrite, we put their name on it. Mm-hmm. And we say like, Hey, we believe you are capable. Go be a champion. And like, we've probably sent about 2,500 pairs of shoes in the last 15 months. Mm-hmm. And like, if one, just one of those fucking kids takes that card in and it changes their life, the whole thing's worth it. Some dude, some dude's going to be on a stage and he's going to talk about those fucking That's, shoes. It's going to happen at some point. That Absolutely. gives me chills. Man. <laughs> That's the, and it's cool. And, and we're excited now too. Like, you know, I, I was hesitant to spend money on like mm-hmm. on non shoes. Right. 
But it, ultimately, I had to realize like it's a business. I have to grow it to grow the impact. Right. And so I'm really excited because our our new executive director actually started this week. Nice. And so she's gonna be able to put full time effort into it. Mm-hmm. I have the event coordinator that I pay for at WinRate who's gonna help her with events and 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 yeah. uh, volunteers and stuff. It, it's it's a way for your whole company to give back. You we know? have to. Like and we, then, we have to. and then we like to get physically get involved anytime we're donating to a company. So, you know, whenever y'all have y'all's big yep. packing sessions and shipping sessions. Well, what we've been like doing that. too, we actually developed a nonprofit in a box. Uh-huh. And so if you want to participate as a company, mm-hmm. we'll send you everything, the wrapping paper, the handwritten cards, everything and uh, with laminated sheets Just on how to do it. And then we'll, ones. and then we'll ship you the shoes nice. so you can wrap them. And then like, ideally, like I like when people like you, find local organizations that we can put your money towards. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we also, we, we also do handwritten thank you cards to your clients. Right. Right. So you send us a list of all the, the, the systems you install this month. We're going to put a hand, we'll, we'll co-brand it. We'll put a handwritten thank you card saying, thank you so much for doing business with, because you did part yeah, of your project we can, went to this. We can brand it, uh, brand it on the front end too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you say, Hey, part of your project is going to go to this. And then, so mm-hmm. now I get to another touch for you as a business. And they're saying like, this company actually followed through on what they said they were going to do. We and could probably get that. We could. All right. You know how, when you're at the register, they ask you if you want to round up yeah. or whatever charity, we could probably tell them, Hey, you want to donate an extra pair of shoes? Sure. That'd be awesome. But, but bottom line is we can send you everything you need. We're like, mm-hmm. you have a company event. And we'll give you the steps. We'll show you how everything's done. We'll send you, we, we'll just mail the shoes. We'll mail That's the wrapping huge. paper. And now your company can get involved and like actually go deliver the shoes. Yeah. Dude, the, the looks on the kids' faces is, is you really can't put a price tag on that. Ah, that's amazing. It's amazing. It's, and and every, every it. community has kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we work with like boys and girls clubs, big brother, big sister, churches, schools, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then like, so they'll send us a classroom of 25 kids. And, you, and, the, and we, because when you wrap every pair, like, unwrapping is almost half the fun. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. And you open it up, there's a pair of socks in there. There's this card written to you. There's a pair of shoes that were picked just for you and like their name brand, man. Like they're not like some off and like, does it cost more money? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to impact potentially those kids maybe, but we're also going to make a bigger impact with each kid, you know, and that's, that's fun. Yeah. That's a, that's a dumb game to play. You do it how you want to do it. You make the impact how you want to make it. And, and here yeah, we are. I mean, if you have a, if you have an opinion about it, I'd love to see how you structure your exactly. nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, myclaudio.com. Yep. You know, if, if I can't service a client, I'm sending them to you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, myclaudio.com. And then, uh, where do they go if they want to donate to ACS? If you go to a championsshoes.org, mm-hmm. you can donate there, but you can also submit a kid in need. There's a form there where you can submit, like if one of your kids, friends are struggling, mm-hmm. you can submit their information and we'll send a pair of shoes out. Yeah, they don't even have to be involved with mm-hmm. Big Brother. It can be it like can that, be anonymous, yeah. and like that way they don't know where it came from. Um, but we, that, that's been a part of the website first. So it's a, a championsshoes.org. Okay. Um, myclaudio.com um, is like you know my personal, like all my stuff. Awesome. So, well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. This is good, man. It's my problem with the longer episodes I've done in a while. It's the longest episode I've done. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.